within the depths of our imagination recites a realm nourished solemnly by our thirst to comprehend the inexplicable, to encounter the supernatural, and to glimpse into another dimension. Welcome to Strange Days Life, where we are devoted to fulfilling this hunger and understanding the mysteries of the unexplained. episode of Strange Days Live from California. Today on this Wednesday, February the 29th of 2024. Hope you guys are doing well out there. And I hope you guys are ready for a great show today. I was thinking about diving into the unexplained stories surrounding time travel, which for me is one of my favorite topics. I got stories that I can uh, tell you and stories that we can read together and analyze. And I assure you, you'll be intrigued. I invite you also to ask a lot of questions or to come on the show. If you are joining us live in any of our YouTube channels, go ahead and click on the link and that will bring you into our backstage area. If you want to be interviewed or if you want to have a conversation regarding time travel, don't be shy. Also, I encourage you guys to start posting comments. That way this can be a more interactive um, session, if you will. What are your thoughts of time travel? Do you believe that it's possible? Do you believe that it has occurred? Do you believe that it will occur? We're always interested in what our listenings are thinking about a particular phenomenon. And today, time travel will be discussed. I've always had a fascination personally, ever since I think I watched H.G. Wells' The Time Machine. This was when I was very small. But I think we have an innate feeling as human beings of going back to a place in time in which we either were happier or we thought we were happier, or perhaps just to talk to somebody that's no longer um, with us. Maybe to relive a particular day or a particular sensation that has long been gone. Maybe to smell the smells of our youth. Maybe to do things that would have been um, give me one minute. You know, that's a fascination with time travel. So I'm going to read some stories, but I also expect you guys to be a little bit more involved, if you will, because I had a, it was enjoyable last night that you guys came on the show and were asking questions. So for the same thing, I want you guys to tell me your two cents into what time travel means to you. Now, the first story, it's... um, It's a story from a time traveler, acclaimed time traveler that kind of writes back to himself, if you will, um, as a way of approving 
encouraging and um, helping to aspirate to future things. This is titled Dear Past Self. <clears throat> I know this might sound unbelievable, but I need you to hear me out. I am writing to you from the future, a time that may seem like a distant fantasy to you now, but it is real, I assure you. You might be wondering how I can claim to be from the future. Well, that's a very fair question and one that I struggle to explain even to myself. But there are things that I have seen, experiences that I've lived through that defy rational explanation. And it seems that these experiences that compel me to reach out to you now in the hope that one day you will heed my words. First and foremost, I want to tell you that the choices you make matter more than you can possibly imagine. Every decision, no matter how small it may seem at the time, has the power to shape not only your own future, but the future of the entire world. I know you have dreams, you have aspirations that sometimes feel out of reach, but trust me when I say that you are capable of achieving more than you ever thought possible. Don't let fear or doubts hold you back. Take risks, embrace opportunities, and never, ever stop believing in yourself. And please take care of our planet. I've seen what happens when humanity neglects its duty to safeguard the environment, and the consequences are devastating. Every action you take, every purchase you make has an impact on the world around you. Choose wisely and strive to leave the earth in better shape than you found it. Lastly, cherish the people you love. Time, it's a precious gift, and none of us know how much of it we have left. Take time to tell your family and friends how much they mean to you, and never take their presence for granted. I wish I could offer you more concrete advice, perhaps a roadmap to navigate the twists and turns of life. But the truth is, the future is uncertain, and none of us can predict what lies ahead. All I can ask is that you live each day with purpose, with integrity, and trust that everything will unfold as it is meant to. Believe in yourself, your past self. You are stronger and more resilient than you know. And remember, no matter what challenges you may face, there is always hope. With love and hope for a future, your future self. <clears throat> Wouldn't that be a rad thing to find? An amazing thing to find if um, if you were able to analyze a note from your you know from the past to your future self a lot of encouragement there and there's a lot of truth in that letter a lot of truth that we have to take into account taking care of the planet because you know there's future lives that are going to be dependent on it and um and yeah, dreams, don't give up on your dreams. Always live your dream to the fullest. And trust me, you if there's something that you guys want to do, do it. Go out there and at least, you know, the worst thing that can happen is you tried and you fail, but at least you try. I think not having tried at all, it's probably a, a, a bitter pill to swallow once you get older than it is just say, you know what, at least I gave it a good try. <clears throat> so yeah, that's... Um, I think will be an adequate letter to to open up the show that we have tonight planned in regards <clears throat> excuse me in regards to to time travel how do you guys feel about time travel 
<clears throat> I would like to know if you guys want to write uh, in the comment section. You guys, any movies you like particularly in regards to the subject? There's a few movies that I enjoyed. I um, I really liked um, the the movie with um, <clears throat> well, what are the tip? The typical movies here. I'm gonna get. A, I'm gonna kind of get a list. <clears throat> um, there's one particular one that I saw a few years ago that I thought was very well made. Um, Looper. You guys watch Looper? It was released in 2012, and uh, this is uh, a film. In which you have Bruce Willis, who plays him his older self, and then you have Joseph Gordon Levitt. It's a great, great movie um, about a crime syndicate in the in the, in the future. I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but it's basically um, it's about a 25 year old Joe who works for a Kansas City crime syndicate known as an assassin or a looper, and the movie takes off from there. Very well made. Uh, I truly enjoyed it. Another movie that I enjoy that takes place going back in time is a movie by Stephen King that's actually a mini series, and that one's titled 112263. <clears throat> and for those that don't know, that's a, that's actually a date. That's November 22nd of 63, and it's basically. Uh, the date of uh, JFK's uh, assassination. The premise of this movie is about a time traveler who gets to go back in time and try to stop this, the, the assassination from taking place. But um, there's a lot of things that actually go into, uh, into him trying to complete that task if you may it's a great great uh, it's in seven or eight uh, chapters but it's very very well made and, uh, 12 monkeys was actually awesome it was also an awesome movie i don't know if you guys have watched 12 monkeys that's another bruce willis movie um i'm trying to steer away from like the most typical ones like back to the future obviously as we all know those there was uh kind of like a particular disturbing movie that came out uh, it's called the butterfly effect with ashton kutcher it came out about 10 20 10 15 years ago pretty pretty dark premise but uh it was a good flick non, non, nonetheless um yeah so th those are some of the the movies that i've particularly enjoy when it comes to time travel i also listen to what there's a lot of art belt shows with time travelers and uh, as you know, we've uh, we've had a we had a personal interview on this show on three occasions. We've had the pleasure of having Mr. Michael Matman Markham. You know, it's funny. This it's one of the most listened uh, archive shows from our program, and it's the one that gets a lot of flag. But people are saying some people are fully sold on the fact that it is him, and uh, as I am, and then there's people that totally blow it off. But I did a voice comparison with all the shows. There, there's five particular. There's three Art Bell shows plus the two of our shows. And uh, you can fully tell the evolution of the voice from somebody who was in their 20s until their 50s now. And there's just something particularly 
interesting about how the voice functions, about how we space our words. Word selection tends to change, I think, with age. But there's things that always remain, such as the pauses, the ums, and um, that's very, very noticeable in that particular video that I made. <clears throat> so one day I'll probably post it to the channel. But yeah, I mean, this is a gentleman who apparently um, jumped into the future, not into the past. So he did travel, tra time travel forward. Okay. And um, if you're not familiar with them, look into our archive uh, series. Look for Mad Men Markham or look into our interview series that we have there. And if you visit the Art Bell Files channel on YouTube, there's a section devoted uh, just to, to him, to Mad Men Markham, where you can listen to all of the shows, including uh, Art Bell former shows. Interesting um, tidbit about Michael. I was listening to um, Arbel a few nights ago. <clears throat> and, you know, Arbel also has people that uh, he used to have nights in which it was like open lines plus a particular subject. So it would be like open lines and aliens or open lines and time travelers. There's a gentleman who called... I believe, yeah, from the year 2050. And he actually mentioned uh, how important Michael Markham will be considered in the future in regards to time travel. He, quote, called them the Edison of time travel. And it's funny because I keep uh, I keep in touch with Michael and uh, I sent him that little piece of information. He's a great guy. Um, very, very, very nice, very humble guy. So I believe, I believe a story. I believe that there are things that uh, we could do with um, physics that could help us move through the timeline, if you will. There's also another gentleman who art interviewed on a few occasions. His name is uh, Andrew Basiago. And uh, his story is just mind-blowing. If you look at... Uh, I was listening to him last night. Andrew, and the last name is Basiago, B-A-S-I-A-G-O. He claims that he was actually involved in the Project Pegasus, which took place in the 50s and 60s in the U.S., in which they were transporting people um, around the world, teleportation, and also sending people back in time. And um, if you listen to one of his interviews He's very, um, he's a guy that's not, doesn't possess to be or has any kind of mental illness. He's very, he speaks very congruently. He's very smart, very articulate. And that that's a thing that, um, you know, when somebody knows their science and when they know their physics and they explain these concepts to you and they're not in, in the right mind, you can fully pick up on that. But there's people that speak, with such eloquence and such insight that you have no other options but to believe. He mentioned a few things to Art Bell when he was in one of his shows that actually blew Art's bell mind. It was a little fact about his own life that Art Bell had never really disclosed to anybody. And uh, Andrew knew it. So I think personally that Art Bell was... A believer in Basiago, and I think that he was also a believer in our friend 
um, Mike, Mad Men, Markham. We've also, in the past, I remember a few, um, we've done some time slip, time slip stories. You guys remember the time slip? That's when people would all of a sudden encounter a town that's no longer there, or perhaps a town that seems very quaint and antiquated, and which the people inside of that town behave in a manner not current. People often uh, go back and the, either the town is not there anymore or the people have disappeared. So there's a whole bunch of stories and histories in regards to this particular phenomenon. Some of the most common ones that I've, that I've heard of, uh, there's the, 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 the Palace of Versailles uh, time slip incident. This uh, occurred in uh, 1911. And it's a well-documented case. It's called the Charlotte Ann Moberly and Eleanor Jourdain. In 1911, Charlotte Ann Moberly and Eleanor Jourdain published a book entitled An Adventure under the names of Elizabeth Morrison and Francis Lamont. And they described a visit to the Petit Troyon, which is basically a small chateau, a small um, you know, chateau house, whatever, in the grounds of the Palace of Versailles. Uh, for uh, for all of you guys that have visited Paris, I have not. The Palace of Versailles is basically a formal royal resident, which was commissioned by King Louis the Fourteenth, located roughly about twelve miles west of Paris. So people have gone to Paris. I'm sure you guys have visited Versailles. It's a very beautiful place with gardens and castles and what have you. Well, these two ladies actually claim that they saw ghost uh, apparitions. And including that of Marie Antoinette, who lived in that property, you know, years before that. This actually caused a big sensation. Um, there was a lot of facts and a lot of things mentioned in their books that uh, claimed a lot of validity. I mean, these were two people that were highly educated. Perhaps they didn't have the need to publish any kind of book, right? So you always have people that are going to be, you know, not believing is this anything alive? But uh, for the most part, I think the book was taken in a very, very well-like manner. Um, <clears throat> they claimed that they had seen the gardens as they had been in the late 18th century. And their story actually, you know, caused a lot of sensation. Some people ridiculed them, but they um, they stuck to their story, you know. They stuck to their story. They said that they... Um, had decided to visit the Palace of Versailles as part of several trips that they were taking in Paris. And uh, on the 10th of August of 1901, they traveled by train to Versailles. They remember not thinking much about the palace after touring it. So they say, that, uh, let's walk the grounds. They walked to the garden of the Petit Tryon. And upon reaching the Grand Tryon, which is exclusively a chate, um, they found that it was close to the public. So they recollected traveling with a guidebook, but said that they had become lost after missing the turn to the main avenue. So they went to explore, they got lost, lost sight of their guidebook. And actually, they uh, all of a sudden, they saw a lane or a road uh, that was bypassing uh, their destination. So she, uh, one of the ladies, Mrs. Moverly, reported that she noticed a woman was shaking a white cloth out of a window. 
And the other lady, Jordan, reclaims that she noticed an old deserted farmhouse outside of which was an old plow. So here they are, these two ladies visiting the grounds. They get lost. They find a road, follow the road, and they start seeing people. So what, what anybody would do, probably approach them and see, you know, where am I? How I can go back to the palace? I mean, these are extensive grounds. So at this point, they describe a feeling of oppression or dreariness coming over them, which is a feeling that a lot of people report when it comes to time slippage or time travel. It's like a weird feeling that just kind of heaviness that may come over you. After which, uh, men who they thought looked like palace gardeners told them to go straight on. Mrs. Moverly described the man as uh, being very dignified officials dressed in long grayish green coats with small three-cornered hats. Mrs. Jourdain recalled that she noticed a, co a cottage with a woman who's holding up a jug to a girl in the doorway, perhaps giving her something to drink, describing it as a tableau by Vron, a living picture, basically. Much like, um, you know, being in a wax museum, if you will. Moberly did not observe the cottage, but remember that she felt the atmosphere change. She wrote, everything suddenly looked very unnatural, therefore unpleasant, as it would to anybody. Even the trees seemed to become flat and lifeless, like wood worked in tapestry. There was no effect of slide or shade, and no wind stirred the streets. Imagine a kind of like you're visiting a museum, and all of, all of a sudden, you would find yourself inside of a painting. The painting, as we see it from a perspective of an observer, has life, but it has life captured at a specific moment in time. Sort of like a photograph, you know? You can see the wind, the effects of the wind. You can see what was going on, but everything is frozen. So imagine stepping into a world like that. It must be very strange. They reported reaching the edge of a wood close to the Temple de la Mor and coming across a man who happened to be seated beside a green kiosk. He was also wearing a cloak and a very large shady hat. According to Mrs. Moberly, his appearance was repulsive. Um, and its expression, the expression of this gentleman was very hateful. His, his complexion was dark and it was rough. And uh, Mr. Dane noticed that as the man slowly turned his face, um, which was marked by smallpox. Smallpox was a disease that was very rampant uh, in, in the old times and would leave very um, bad-looking scars um, in the complexion. Uh, very scary for some of us that have never seen that in our age and day and age. Imagine yourself seeing somebody with an extreme case of, of uh, scarring acne <clears throat> and amplify that by 10. The expression of this gentleman was particularly evil and yet unseen, as though they did not feel that he was looking particularly at us. And the lady actually felt the repugnance as she passed him. They said that uh, another man whom they had decided described as uh, a tall figure with large dark eyes and crisp curling hair under a large hat um, came up to them, actually and showed them the way to the Petit Troyon. Now remember, that's the area they were trying to get to originally, which had been closed. <clears throat> Hence, how they got lost in the first place. Moverly said that she noticed a lady sketching on the grass as they approached this place, who looked uh, at them after they crossed the bridge to reach the gardens in front of the palace. And she later described the lady as wearing a light summer dress 
in a shady white hat with much fair hair. Moberly also reported that she thought she was a tourist at first, but the dress appeared to be very old-fashioned. Moberly came to believe that the lady was Marie Antoinette. Jourdain, however, said that she actually never saw the lady. At their return to the palace, they reported that they were directed around to the entrance and joined a party of other visitors. They said that after they toured the house, they had tea at the Hotel de Reservoir before returning to Jourdain's apartment. So it was a very brief experience they had, um, probably lasting less than 10 minutes, but very interesting that both of them had the same reaction, had the same vision, had the same experience, which is unusual. If it's one person, you can, uh, you know, cast it up to being perhaps a delusion and hallucination. But when it comes to two people sort of having the same shared experiences, you have to ask yourself, was it real? According to Jourdain and Moberly, both women who had the experience, neither one of them mentioned the incident to one another until a week after leaving Versailles. When Moberly, in a letter to her sister about her trip, started writing about the afternoon of the Versailles incident, she reportedly asked Jourdain if she thought the Petit Tryon was haunted. Jourdain told her that she had thought it was. Three months later in Oxford, the pair said they compared their notes and decided to write separate accounts of what happened while also researching the history of the Tryon. They thought they might have seen events that actually took place on the 10th of August of 1792, only six weeks before the abolition of the French monarchy, um, when the Tuileries Palace in France uh, was besieged and the King's Swiss Guard were massacred. So they were there in a, in a very important date and time. According to the narrative, they visited the Trianon Gardens again on several occasions after that, but they were, able, they were unable to trace the path they took on that particular afternoon. Various landmarks, such as the kiosk and the bridge, were missing, and the grounds were full of people. Trying to come up with an explanation, they wondered if they had stumbled across a private party or perhaps an event that was booked that day. However, they found nothing had been booked that afternoon. Though the research, they thought they recognized a man they reportedly saw by the kiosk as the Comte de Vaudeville, a friend of Marie Antoinette, who herself, Moberly, had claimed to see. Convinced that the grounds were haunted, they decided to publish their theory or their story in a book called An Adventure 1911 under the pseudonyms mentioned before. Very, very uh, interesting story. I've always... Uh, you know, when I hear about the, the Palace of Versailles, I always think the Versailles time slip incident. So perhaps next time you go to France and you enjoy the grounds of the Versailles Palace, you may too encounter a kiosk or perhaps a lady doodling on a notepad by an overpass. Let's go here to welcome. I'm kind of manning the comment section. Welcome, guys, to the show. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Um, JD, good to see you, my friend. Would be a great guest if you would go on. I believe Andrew is a lawyer. I would love to have Andrew Basiago on. He's an amazing guy. I could try. <laughs> my first intent when I started this channel was to get Marcus Markham. Uh, and lo and behold, I did. So... Getting Andrew uh, probably wouldn't be uh, 
as tough, if you will. Just want the channel to grow a little bit more, but that's a great uh, suggestion, JD. Appreciate it. Have you guys ever heard of Charlie Chaplin? I'm sure that most of the listeners here, based on our dynamics, are fall within the range of people that have heard of him. I think my majority of listen fall, listeners fall within the 30 to 50-year-old uh, gap of uh, of life, if you will. So I've, I certainly heard of Chaplin when I was a little kid. Uh, he was an entertainer, one of the first uh, uh, great comedians and uh, of the 20th uh, century. Distinct uh, personality with the mustache and the baggy pants and the top hat and also the nice cane. Chaplin, you know, uh, released hundreds of pictures throughout his career. Um, one of the pictures that he released, uh, it was called The Circus. This uh, particular picture, it was a 19, uh, was made in 1928, and it was basically a silent romantic comedy film, which was actually written and directed by Charlie Chaplin. Um, so, when the DVD of this movie was released um, in 2010, there was some extra footage along with the DVD that kind of showed uh, a little bit of the hype behind, you know, behind the film. I believe it showed uh, the premiere, some footage about the premiere of the film, and it showed uh, different scenes. But one of the scenes that was actually shown was of the famous Chinese theater here in Los Angeles. If you ever visited Los Angeles, uh, I'm sure you've come across the Chinese theater, also known as, known as Groman's Chinese Theater. This theater is very well known. Uh, it's been established for eons. Uh, you know, you can go back to 1928. That's where the circus made its premiere. Um, you may recognize this theater because it has a lot of uh, famous movie stars' uh, handprints on the floor has a, a bunch of handprints on cement. So if you ever visit Los Angeles and you go to the Grauman's Chinese Theater, you can come across Marilyn Monroe's handprints and footprints. She has a very tiny foot. I've been there a few times and her hands were tiny, possibly very petite. Um, who else do I personally like? When I go there, I like to see, they have uh, actually Star Wars characters. They have... Um, They've had old Rock uh, Rock Hudson. Uh, old, I, I like film noir a lot. I like old movies a lot. So they have a lot of these old. Uh, the Marx Brothers are there. Let me see. They have. Uh, it's gonna get an extensive list, <laughs> but they even have people in the 2020s. They had a uh, Michael Madsen, Canel Alvarez is there. He's not an actor. The Beach Boys. Now, mind you, there's a lot of people who actually have their handprint there, okay, but they don't put them there afterwards. So they, they go there, they do the ceremony, and then they take their prints away. So there's there's certain people that their prints are there forever, okay? Because I was looking for a set of prints one time, but they weren't there. They told me that they just do them a show and then they take them away. But there are the permanent residents. 
So you have, you know, William Shatner, Leonard Nemo, you have Harrison Ford is there, Tom Cruise, Mel Gibson, Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, Jim Carrey's fingerprint, um, handprints, going back, Betty Davis, John Wayne, and so on and so forth. You have all these acclaimed actors. Well, not to get too sidetracked, but going back to the premiere of The Circus by Charlie Chaplin um, in this particular DVD, there's a scene, there's a scene in which uh, at the right-hand side of uh, the Groman's Chinese theater, there's a particular lady that's walking by with what appears to be a cell phone on her right hand as she was talking to somebody on her cell phone. So lo and behold, this became an internet sensation back in 2010. And um, now it's known as Chaplin's Time Traveler. So in October of 2010, Northern Irish filmmaker Mr. George Clark uploaded a video clip entitled Chaplin's Time Traveler to YouTube. This clip analyzed bonus material in the DVD of Charlie Chaplin film The Circus, included in the DVD, was footage from this particular LA premiere of Grauman's Chinese Theater in 1928. At one point, a woman is seen walking by holding up an object to her ear, and Clark said that on closer examination... She was talking into a thin black device that had appeared or seemed to be a phone, quote-unquote. Clark concluded that woman was possibly a time traveler. <laughs> and the clip received millions of hits and was the subject of television news stories. And here we are in 2024, 14 years later, still talking about the time traveler. Uh, Mr. Nicholas Jackson, an associate director of The Atlantic magazine, says that the most likely answer is that she was using a portable hearing aid uh, technology that was just being developed at the time. Strangely enough, the woman is walking by herself. So what is she trying to hear? Uh, Philip Skroka, an archivist at the Bernard Becker Medical Library of Washington School of Medicine, thought that the woman might have been holding a rectangular ear trumpet or an amplifier. New York Daily News writer Michael Sheridan said the device was probably an early hearing aid, perhaps an uh, acousticon manufacturer. I don't know. It seems strange that somebody would be using, uh, walking by themselves, a hearing aid. I mean, what was trying to kind of, he wanted to hear street noise. However, strange that might be, it's not impossible. Another thing that I, enjoy when it comes to time travel or in cell phones is okay let's say that they are they had a cell phone where are the cell phone towers you know to my knowledge at&t or verizon weren't in business in the 20s so you still need the technology for the cell phone to <laughs> to work unless she had a, a can with a very very long string that was as far as you would be able to communicate but um it's a great clip. I, I I don't believe it's true. What was she holding? I don't know. But uh, yeah, it was another one of those strange tales of uh, of time uh, travel, if you will. Have I mean, you guys uh, another story that actually made it uh, sort of um, into the internet lore was the time travel hipster. There was a photograph of a bridge being opened in uh, British Columbia, in which there's a peculiar gentleman uh, standing for the photo op amongst everybody that seems to be wearing period clothing. Now, this gentleman is wearing uh, some dark glasses. 
Uh, he's wearing a, what seems to be a sweater, Kurt Cobain-ish type of uh, coarse sweater. And then underneath, he seems to have a shirt with a letter on it. <laughs> sort of like, uh, you know, your basic stamped shirts that we kind of wear now. So he's very out of place for sure. You know, he's sitting, he's standing right next to a gentleman with uh, the typical look of that age with the top hat, the brim glasses, wearing a suit and tie. So, yeah, this gentleman here is known as the present-day hipster at a 1941 bridge opening. So, a photograph from 1941 of genuine authenticity of the reopening of the Sioux Forks Bridge in Gold Bridge, British Columbia, sometimes alleged on the Internet to show a time traveler. It was claimed that his clothing and sunglasses were of the present day and not of the style worn in the 40s, while his camera was anachronistically small. Yeah, so he is holding a very, very small camera on his right hand. Future uh, further research sorry, suggests that the present day appearance of the man would not have been necessarily out of place in 1941. The style of sunglasses he is wearing first appeared in the 20s. Okay, so glasses checked. On first glance, the man is taken by many to be wearing a printed t-shirt, but on closer inspection, it seems to be a sweater with a sew-on emblem, kind of clothing often worn by sports teams of the period. Okay, sweater or shirt checked. The shirt resembles one that was used by the Montreal Maroons, which was an ice hockey team from that era. The remaining of his clothing would appear to have been available at the time, though his clothes are far more casual than those worn by other individuals in the photograph, his camera is smaller than most of the era, but cameras of that site did exist. While it is unclear what make his camera once, Kodak had manufactured portable cameras of equivalent size by 18, 1938, I'm sorry. So the time-traveling hipster became a case study in viral internet phenomena, which was presented at the Museum of the Web 2011 conference in Philly. So, yeah, he was just a cool guy. He was ahead of his time and his style, but uh, time travel, perhaps not. Um, yeah. Let's see this one. Mobile devices in 1943. A photograph from 1943 of genuine authenticity also shows a scene of holidays make holiday makers on Toa Beach in Newark, Cornwall. was uploaded to Twitter in November of 2018 by multimedia artist Stuart Humphreys, which was alleged by some viewers to show a time travel operating an anarchistic mobile device such as a phone. This tweet was picked up by news outlets, including Fox News in the US and various tabloids in the UK, such as the Daily Mirror. Humphreys, the original uploader, was quoted in these stories as dismissing the time travel theory, stating that the man in question was probably just rolling a cigarette. All right, I think I'm going to cut this show a little bit short. So I will be back tomorrow for more. And uh, I appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Strange Days Live. Leave your comments, subscriptions to the channel, and recommend us. Thank you again. Here's Doc signing out. By the way, I have a new intro music. Tell me what you think of it in the comments. I enjoy it. God bless you guys. Have a good night.